The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Last week we talked about how uh, the same mission that Jesus gave to the disciples, he gave to us as the church, go into all the world and make disciples. And that's what we're about here at Doxa. And we have a, we're a small group that has a big vision. And I, I hope if you weren't here that you'll listen to the podcast, not because I'm awesome, but because it's kind of fairly clearly lays out who we are and what we're about. And if you're a member here or you're thinking about calling Docs to Church home, listen to it again and just hear who we are and what we're about. But as I was thinking about that, we wanted to be able to kind of take it from a 30,000 foot level to like a, like a right on the, the ground level. What does it look like to be a disciple, to be growing as a disciple, and to make disciples? And so to that end, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We're going to call a few people up, and I'm going to interview them, and you guys are going to hopefully benefit from this. Uh, if Anna, the Burtons, the Shanks, and Keitra would come on up and sit at our hot seat table over here in the corner, um, that would be awesome. Let me get you guys a mic. Um, you guys, I'm sure you'll be kind to them. I'm going to go ahead and take this mic live so you can just pick it up whenever you're ready. Um, I don't know that any of them were itching to do this this morning, so I, I really, I appreciate it, and uh, I know they appreciate your, your patience with them. I don't know that you, you need patience with them, but. Not sure where to put my hands. <laughs> I'll sit here awkwardly over here. You guys sit awkwardly at the table. Um, so, so guys, and uh, we're just going to have a, a little a little chat with each other as if we were sitting around um, a, a table and weird stools in my house, and uh, just kind of talking about the scripture and talking about what it means to be a disciple. Uh, last week we talked about. Uh, making disciples. And uh, as we did, we talked about how Jesus gave us that command, the great, the, the, the great commission to go into all the world and to make disciples. And as I was thinking about that, uh, the, the scripture that Tyson read this morning, I, I thought about because the, the next thing that we see, he, he, tells the, he tells the disciples to go and make disciples, right? Because he made disciples of them. He tells them to go and make disciples, and then he leaves. He ascends into heaven. And the next thing we see is in, in Acts, they're gathered in the upper room and they're waiting because he said, wait until you receive the power from on high. And then as soon as the, the power from on high comes, the Holy Spirit falls and the church begins. I mean, Brian mentioned that last week, like we are planting a church here, uh, but we're not planting the church. That's already been done by Jesus. He started the church. So the church began in Acts chapter two and it says immediately, the cool thing is like right off the bat, like, like the church is growing. 3,000 people on day one become believers, which is pretty amazing. And then the next thing we see that them do is uh, in verse 42 of Acts 2, and they devoted themselves, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. There's four things they devoted themselves to. And as I was thinking about that, um, I was thinking like maybe there's something to that when it comes to when it, being disciples and making disciples. And there were just three kind of points that, that I kind of thought of in this 
passage that will kind of hopefully frame our discussion the rest of the time. But it says they devoted themselves. So we see, first of all, that they, the, the, the apostles, the disciples, there's 3,000 people who are now part of the church. It says they dedicated themselves to something. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the, the apostles had been taught by Jesus, and now they're teaching them what Jesus had told them. And the apostles saw Jesus die and be, and rise again from the dead, and they were recounting to them what they saw, the gospel, the good news of what, who Jesus was and what he did on our behalf. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. So we see intentionality in that. We see how they didn't just do something haphazard. They said, hey, if I'm going to be a disciple, I'm going to dedicate myself to Jesus and to being a disciple, and I'm going to be intentional about that. And then the last thing we see is that we see that they, there was some formality to it. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It wasn't just getting together and saying, how do we feel about you know, Jesus this morning? But they were hearing like what Jesus actually taught and said and what he did. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. Not just kind of praying haphazardly, but there was a formality to it. So that's just something that I saw. And then if we see the end of that passage, we see something that I think is just really compelling. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Nobody was forcing them to do that. And then day by day, attending the temple together, such worship in a large setting, and breaking bread in their homes, so that's like a small group setting, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and then the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. So that sort of said, I want to introduce to you uh, who was up here. This is the end. That's Jonathan and Kate Shanks. They were the first family that signed on with Doxa. Uh, the, the story goes that uh, Jonathan came to me, and he and I had only had like two, two conversations in life before. We went to church together. We'd only, I think he only had two conversations. And he came up to me and he said, hey, so we're going to be a part of this doxa thing, but don't let that go to your head because it's just because God told me to. It doesn't have anything to do with you. <laughs> I said, okay, I can, I can deal with that. And then he said, and we're going to give you one year and then we're going to see how it goes after that one year. So that first year, I was really nervous, like, what? <laughs> What, what has to happen? Like, am I going to blow this thing? Like, what, what, what are the, what are the, the thresholds we grow, re- we grow really slowly to start off with? And I didn't really know. So they, they stuck around, and I'm really glad they did. Uh, next in the middle is, is Anna. A lot of you have see her every week, and some of you may never see her because she has served and serves faithfully back with Doxa Kids back in the back. And she was a part of the original 16 as well. Uh, she was really early on, uh, started to, to hang out with us. And then you see Keitra, that's Dale's lovely wife. And uh, they also came on board. That, that actually, because of Jonathan and Kate, they said, Let's, I want to introduce you to somebody. And Dale and I met and hung out. And it was like a, a blind date that went really well. Uh, Jonathan kind of arranged for us all three to meet at McAllister's. And then he kind of, he said, no, I'm not going to eat. And then he introduced us and he said, I have to go actually. And so then he left, Dale and I, <laughs> sitting at the table. And um, I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. We started talking and uh, we had stars in our eyes. And it was, it was a beautiful afternoon, Friday afternoon or whatever. And uh, that was really cool. And 
Keetra has been really awesome to have her on board. And then uh, the Burtons here, Miranda and Jason. I've known Jason for years, back when you were, I guess, you were in college. We were both about the same age. And uh, I remember he, when he got married to Miranda, and they came on board with us uh, sometime last year. And it's been really awesome. And J- uh, Jason heads up uh, community groups, and Miranda heads up our frontline ministry, which is helping to greet people as you guys come in. So this is the first question I have to you guys. Um, as we're all trying to hopefully thinking about what does it really mean to be a disciple and to make disciples, um, what do you think that means? What does it mean to you to be dedicated to being and making disciples? Jonathan. Um. Being a disciple, I think, means um, you're going to be, somebody's going to go before you and they're going to model a degree of maturity they've attained in their walk with Christ, Um, to serve as an example, to serve as a guide, um, to serve as an illustration what it looks like um, to be striving and seeking Christ um, with your whole heart. And for the person seeking them, um, they receive that guidance, they receive that example, but they also receive a degree of accountability. Um, they receive somebody who can stand in their corner with them, no matter what's going on. Um, especially for a new believer or somebody who's really struggling, they're going to receive, um, you know, a companion in Christ that's, that's going to um, give them insight, give them wisdom, give them direction, um, with regard to spiritual tools, to pray about things, to s- study scripture, um, the need for collective worship, they're going to receive the guidance they need to um, really fulfill what scripture says a disciple looks like. So um, it's kind of where I'd go with that. Anybody else? What does it mean to, to you to be dedicated to being and making disciples? Um, I would definitely agree with, with what Jonathan would, would say. Um, also for me, I mean, this may not be surprising to, to my wife, but maybe everybody else, but I mean, I'm a selfish person. And so I need constant reminders, <laughs> constant reminders to think outside of myself, to think, to look to Christ and, and to look to the needs of others. And so that's, that's where discipleship, you know, is important for me and, and also community. I'll just add, when you use the word dedicated, just thinking about um, you using the word intentionality, that it requires intentionality, that making disciples doesn't always mean like, oh, we meet every Monday at 8 o'clock for coffee, but that there's an intentionality to it, and there's um, a time component, an effort, that it just um, doesn't always just happen, but that it requires the dedication, the time, the effort, the intentionality, sacrifice, inconvenience sometimes, but that because it's important, you make it a priority and you dedicate time. Anybody else? Well, maybe, the, maybe we should back up as, as thinking as we we're just talking just now. Like, to you, uh, um, what is a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple? Jesus said, go in all the world and make disciples. Like, what, what does it mean to you to be a disciple? Or what do you think a disciple looks like? 
<laughs> I guess uh, I always think about the word discipline when it comes to disciple, because those two words are really similar. So it's someone who has a habit of following after Jesus, of listening to his voice, of obeying what he says. And so it's just developing the habits of doing what Jesus does. Anybody else have a definition or what, what you think about the like, components of being a disciple? Um, other than um, what Anna has said, you know, striving to be Christ-like, but also being willing to take the discipline, having somebody say, you know, that wasn't very Christ-like, you know, um, how can we do this differently? Listening to somebody, um, because I think a disciple is having somebody speak down to you, not down, like, you know, somebody teach you and then you teach somebody else, because you can't do one without the other. You need to have both in order to be a disciple. So you're I accepting, I need instruction, I'm not standing, a, yes, yeah. Um, when somebody experiences the new birth, um, a disciple to me would be the fullness of what Christ desires in that new creation. That, that the new person in Christ is um, that person who has embarked in the process of growing in Christ's likeness and ministering to the world in the process of sanctification. And again, it really, you know, somebody is a new believer versus somebody 20 years down the road. Both of those people still have the same common denominator of the Holy Spirit dwelling within that believer and expressing to the world who Christ is and the way they think and the way they dress and the way they act and in the way they speak. So it's that would reflect who that person is in Christ, but there's the sanctification process, which really kind of is the maturing or the, or the greater degree of culmination of Christ dwelling within them. I'd like to get everybody's just no. <laughs> I'd like to get everybody's input on this question. Uh, when, when in your life have you noticed growth as a disciple? Maybe uh, you mentioned habits or uh, just maybe what is a common denominator in times where you've experienced seasons of growth and times where you have not? In any direction you want to go in. I think I've experienced growth the most uh, is when I'm with other people, other believers, um, to help sharpen me and I can help sharpen them. Uh, really in any area of my life, I learn the best is when I'm, when I'm having to teach it to somebody else. So. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I've definitely learned within the last couple of years more about being a disciple just with my kids, teaching me that, that I have to teach them and build into their lives. So it helps me realize that that's one relationship that I have to work, work on um, being a disciple. Um, but I think also I've grown a lot in the last couple of years just with my my walk just with my learning, you know, digging into the Bible deeper and so that I can share with other girls that are in my small groups or whatnot. So. Um, I'm experienced the most growth through um, large Bible studies, actually, like the discipleship that occurs there through the accountability of being in the Word together and discussing it together and sharing about how it works out in your life and how it works out in my life and what that looks like for everyone there. Um, 
So being intentional in the word with other believers. Um, but since being at Doxa, I feel like I've also experienced a lot of growth through discipleship that comes by being in close community with other people. Um, getting close enough to other people for them to see everything about you, like not just the things that you like to portray, but the things that people see, the attributes about you that people see um, when they get close to you. And so just um, those things that come forward through being in a relationship and having to um, experience confrontation or hurt or just working through things, seeing how they yell at you, seeing them seeing how you yell at your kids or you know, stuff like that. Um, I've experienced, I think, a lot of growth through that. And I think that's something that um, is new for me, like at DOXA, is just intentionally trying to grow closer in those relationships so that those things come out. And it can be, um, you know, we can be sanctified and we can be shaped together more into Christ likeness. So that's the two ways I've seen growth most for me um for me i i do know it's like when i'm actually spending time with jesus and seeing what he has to say then there's a lot of growth that comes from that and also learning to have to communicate with other people that's been a really hard thing for me to learn because i think i can just handle it all myself but it's really only when i do start communicating and asking for prayer and stuff like that that the the issues are actually broken off of my life. If I don't, I know I would still be doing the same stuff I was doing when I was 13. There'd be no maturity at all. So very thankful for that kind of growth. Um, I think I experienced the most growth in my walk with Christ when I'm able to be the most transparent with other people so that they can speak the truth into my life. Because even though I'm a Christian and I read my Bible and I pray and I do all the right things, um, I still fail on a regular basis. And being able to, you know, I don't have to have other people see me yell at my kids. They tell everybody. <laughs> um, but uh, the truth is, is that when I can be real and be who I am, because I'm not going to grow any until I say where I need the growth. Or, you know, where I'm willing to ask other people. Um, and I think my, my own hindrance is my unwilling to be real with other people, to say, this is who I am. You know, I think at, the older I've gotten, the less that matters. Um, you know, I think that was an example I got from my mother was, you know, she was 85 when she died. And she didn't care what anybody thought of her. So she was open and honest with everybody. And I think the older I get, hopefully that's where I'll be. Um, I was thinking two places. The first is adversity and pain. Um, when the fire is raging, um, I, I love the statement that we always find Christ at the end of our rope. Um, because when you reach that place and you realize there's nowhere else to go, um, I tend to be real. The other is when I'm in some type of community in, in a service in some capacity and most of the time truthfully it's really when i'm soaking in god's word um, because it gives me an opportunity to see a clearer picture of who i am and with that if if you see that picture um well you'd say you need to do something about that and and those that's what really pushes me 
to say that, that I've got to be a part of community. I've got to be accountable. Um, because if I'm not, my default is not good. I, it's, the, the well's been poisoned, for lack of better words, because of sin. So I know I need um, those disciplines in place. So. That's helpful. <laughs> I, uh, a couple of you guys mentioned transparency. It, it can be uncomfortable being transparent with people. But I think the thing that empowers true transparency, again, is our, as we grow in our understanding of the gospel, that my standing with God and man isn't based upon my performance, then I can be a little bit more real. I'm around Burton enough that he can either tell me or I see in his face whenever I do something that hurts him or disappoints him, and I see that sin in me. But that's not comfortable, but I, when that happens, it doesn't destroy my day because I know that my value isn't based upon my performance. Um, and that, that happens in lots of different ways. One example, a, a week or so ago, Meg and I were having an argument, and you know, she's open enough with Keetra. I guess she had sent her a text and told her or talked on the phone or whatever, and then Keetra told Dale, the next thing I know, we're in, we're in, we're in separate rooms. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm moving on, but it's still stewing in the back of my head. You know how that works? Like, I'm, I moved on, but it's just, like, cooking back there. And, um, and, and I get a text from Dale that said, don't let Satan have a foothold. I'm like, why did she tell Keetra? <laughs> but I needed to hear that at the moment. But if, I, if I'm not open, if people aren't in my business enough, then that can't happen. Um, what about, uh, you said like, when have you noticed growth? What, what have you noticed in maybe people that you've respected that, you, that have discipled you or you've just observed like, hey, that's a godly woman or a godly man. What, what, what traits or habits have you noticed in their lives that have, you think have caused them to, to grow? Well, it's a lot of the same elements. Um, I love it when, you know, people say that when they had gone through stuff, this was what God told them about it. This is the verse that they were led to when they were going through it. And, of course, a big part of that is admitting that they've been through it before. Um, I love it. A lot of the people here, they're just really open about not having to be perfect. And this is what's going on today. And I'm sorry I was wrong. Stuff like that. It's pretty great. I think the, the piece about being vulnerable, you know, because you can come here and you can put up a, a, good, a good front. Um, you can have an argument in the car and then come here and everything has just, you know, magically disappeared. And, um, you know, the same thing with, you know, kind of like how you are mentioning you know, the argument. Um, you know, if you're married, you probably already understand this, but, but God will use the marriage as um, uh, a sanctification machine. Amen. I mean, it is, it is a, it can be a difficult thing. And so, you know, if you have family, then you can go to, you know, each of your own, you know, each of your own sides of the family, and they will validate your, your feeling, um, validate, you know, that, that you have been wronged or, you know, that this is the correct way. But if you have people that are intentional about, um, you know, God's glory, about who Christ is, um, then they can speak truth to you, and it doesn't have to be just a one-sided biasness about, you know, oh, yeah, I want to make you feel better. Um, so I think just being, being vulnerable, uh, is, is a characteristic that I've seen, you know, in, in growth in people. 
Anybody else? Seeing if Miranda wanted the mic. I'll give it back to her in a minute. I, I was thinking, and, I, and I've said this to some people, that I've been a victim of great discipleship. Um, the things, the attributes that I really, when I look at these people that have been influential, um, they were real about who they were, and, and underneath that is that they were a mess. Um, but, but they had grown in a way that you'd look at them and say, there's no way they're a mess. Um, but it was evident that Christ got all the credit for what took place in their life. And that without that, they realized who they were apart from his grace. Um, there's, um, the other thing is that I experienced is that, that these people have had a great love for me. Is that there's nothing I'm going to say or do to them that's going to mitigate just their love for me. Um, and that my comfort level, when, when somebody really loves you and spends time with you, and you know that, that they're just grateful that God has placed you in their life, um, it makes that so much easier to be real in who you are. And what a great thing to just be loved um, with no strings, um, just somebody who wants to invest and see what God can do in you, and they're simultaneously making those investments. Um, the other thing is that they've always, the people primarily have been committed in prayer and God's word. They've been really disciplined which probably makes sense knowing that they understand who they are and that they're really people who just want to love and invest in others. So it's a, and those things really influenced me um, to really try to reflect that and do that with others because of the great, um, what a great place to be in life, to be around a community of people that I don't have to worry about what the money I make or the company I keep or really when I have a bad day, um, that it doesn't influence my standing next to them, shoulder to shoulder. Give to Miranda. <laughs> Are you picking on me? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know it may not be correct, but I think, um, what were we talking about? Disciple? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the attributes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I personally need an encourager. Um, not just to pat me on the shoulder. Yeah, you did everything great, but someone that could discipline me with love. I need it to be gentle sometimes. Um, so that's been good to see, um, particularly with some women here. They're very um, loving and nurturing um, in, in a gentle way, but to lead you back to Christ. That's really cool. I know for me, one of the things that I really respect, a, a trait that I think I've noticed in men and women that I respect that I see growth in that are further down the road than me is just a long obedience in the same direction that you know they're they devoted to the to doctrine the teaching to the word they're devoted to fellowship the breaking of bread and prayers and they just stay in the game and I think there's something to be said about just having a long obedience in the same direction that just keeps you in the game there's a virtue in you know somebody who's not fast at the gates but they're still in the game in the fourth quarter. That, that, I think there's something really important about that. All right, real quick, um, let's move on. What, are, uh, what, what do you think are barriers to growth as a disciple, to being and making disciples? Or maybe what are, have barriers been for you? My selfishness would be one of them. Just thinking that um, 
either that it's not a, you know, the problem's not that big of a deal, so it's, you know, no one needs to help me with it, um, or that it's such a big deal that no one else has ever experienced it. So just, th again, thinking inside of myself and, and, and not looking to others. I think um, one of the biggest barriers is, like I was saying earlier, is not being real, not saying, you know, I'm having a hard time or this is a difficulty. Um, and I think, too, is not willing to take um, discipline, not wanting to listen to somebody telling you what you did wrong and what you should do, because we all want to say, well, I know, I know. But the truth is, is that I need somebody to speak that truth into my life. And I need to have that discipline in my life, or else I'm not going to grow and change. Anybody else? Any barrier? Um, two things that immediately came to my mind was the first is insecurities in me, that I have nothing to offer. How could I help someone? I don't know anything well enough to sit down and disciple someone. Um, but to be reminded that it's not me that I need to be relying on, that it's Christ in me that I can rely on to guide me and lead me in those directions. And um, a second barrier that I face is time. You know, with little kids and family and just we all have a lot going on. And I think, how do I have time to to reach out to people or to get together with someone else and to develop these relationships. Because um, I can come up with a list of so many other things to do in recognizing that um, it really is of utmost importance to foster these relationships and to make this a priority. And so to, even though it it's hard to do it to, to set that time aside, to, to make it of utmost importance because Christ has, that's one thing that he's clearly told us to do. Uh, all you guys at the table ha are pretty dedicated in service in at least one or probably multiple areas. You guys give a lot of time to, to serve the church, to have community groups, you do stuff outside of our church in the, in the area, in the community. Um, Anna's back there every week with the kids. Uh, what role have you seen that service over time play in your life? Because it does make life more complicated. You got work and you have family and you have, you know, all the stuff that goes along with that. Then you add in like leading a community group or hosting a community group or being in the back every Sunday or doing whatever, you know, extra comes with it. What, what have you guys noticed with that? Is it a, uh, you can be honest. Uh, this isn't one of the questions I gave you guys. Is, is it something that zaps you guys? Does it fill you up? Does sometimes it zap you and sometimes it feel like, what role has that played in your personal discipleship and your growth? Um, just real quick, I feel like sometimes it does zap you. Sometimes you're like, I don't have the energy for this. I don't have the time for this. Um, but I made the commitment, so I'm going to do it. Um, more often than not, it pays off in dividends far above um, the time and energy that I have to put into it. It's just the getting there 
that's the hard part. But I think um, God has used it to draw me so much closer to him and draw me closer to other people that the time and the energy, you know, I mean, the last thing you want to do after you've been, you know, hoarding three kids around all day and taking a dance class and, you know, is host a community group when your house is a wreck. You know, that's the last thing you want to do. But going through it, not canceling it, which we have done, but um, not canceling it and having group, even though your house is a wreck, pays off. And, when, and nobody, nobody but you realizes how messy your house is. <laughs> nobody. Um, I've got a great sense of gratitude for the people that were here before me. And part of what I do is I ask myself, if, the, if you took out the really influential people and, the, and those environments that have blessed me, where would I be today? And I've got to be honest, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Um, when I got saved, God took me from a tough place and, and put me in a great community of people that loved me and encouraged me and built me up. And I wonder today, those same people are out there that are really struggling like myself. Um, and I don't ever want to forget where I came from or what God's grace has done to me. So the only way... To, I wouldn't say the only way, but the primary way I do it is by stepping out there, making sure those people have a place, just the way that I did. Um, and the return, God always, I love James 4.8, it says, when we drew near, he disclosed himself to us. And the question is, how do I draw near? And that's by stepping forward and serving and leading in the cause of Christ. And when I step forward and take those actions, guess what I find every time behind it? That, that you see God's fingerprints all over those circumstances. And that's a great affirmation um, that God is using us, um, but that he's using us to bless others um, in a way that has made all the difference in my life. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah. For me, I'll, I'll just use the example of the campus outreach students, you know, um, when the opportunity was presented, you know, that you could host some of the, some of the students, it was like, you know, so I've got to give up a Sunday afternoon um, in the summer, you know, which is hopefully a nice time to go outside and hang out with family or do whatever you want to do. Um, and I've got to pay to, to feed these guys. For me, it's taking a nap. For you, it's taking yeah. a nap. Um, and you've got to pay to feed these guys. And I remember as a college student how much I ate, you know, and so I'm just like, you know, it's just running through my head of, of all the stuff I have to give up um, to do that. And... Having been through it, like I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have changed anything because what those guys gave back to, to my family and to my kids, just to see how they interacted with them, I mean, is is priceless. And so, you know, I definitely, again, I wouldn't have changed it. That's very cool. Um, last question, two parts. Um, maybe some of us here this morning, maybe being involved in a lifestyle, because it sounds like you're, what you guys are describing is a lifestyle. I have to be committed to something. It's, there's formality to it. There's intentionality about it. There's going to be uncomfortable moments where I'm opening myself to people to see just, you know, myself and all my mess and muck, uh, see my house when it's not cleaned. Um, that may sound daunting to some of us here. and Or it may sound like, man, if I have to you know, God's calling me to make disciples. I don't really know enough or I'm not mature enough to do that. Um, what does that look like for you? And where should somebody, the second part is, where should somebody start? If they're, maybe they say, hey, I'm a believer, but I haven't really been 
you know, you know, formal or intentional in being and making disciples, where do they start? How's that look for you, and where, where would somebody start? So being in charge of the community <laughs> groups, um, it, it can be, I mentioned it's kind of like, you know, jello, and you've got different molds, and they're not quite all formed yet, and you're trying to move them around. So, it, I mean, it, it can be difficult. Um, it, it's also rather, rather crazy, like, that we would that we would take a bunch of sinners and, and put them in a group together. Like, it just doesn't seem like that is an, an optimal place. You know, it seems like it's going to be messy and difficult, and so why would you want to do that? You know, it just logically speaking, it doesn't sound, um, sound like the right thing to do. Um, but I think where, where you would start, and, you know, just for me is, I mean, if, if Christ has done something for you and you, you can articulate that, um, then you can articulate that and help somebody else who may not have that same experience, who may be, again, looking inside themselves, they're selfish, they're, they're dealing with other issues. Um, so if you know what Christ has done, you know, for you and in, in your heart, then and that's, where I would, that's where I would start. Okay. <laughs> I would say um, the first place to start would be to be vulnerable. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to support him with the community groups because that is a passion that we have as a family. Um, our fourth year of marriage, we were going through some things, struggling, ready to hang up the towel. Um, but we started therapy. And um, that first night of therapy, we were invited to go to a life group. Um, and we went. Didn't really want to go because it was a Friday night. We could have done our own separate things. Um, but we went. And I just made that decision that night. I was going to be all in. And I was completely vulnerable. Told the whole group. Well, we split up, guys and girls. Told the whole group that we were in counseling. Our marriage was falling apart. Didn't really want to continue in that road. And they just started praying. And it was the most beautiful thing. Sorry. Um, But if you're not vulnerable, then people don't know what you're going through. And so I looked at it as... The more people that knew, the more people could pray because we didn't want to give up. So, yeah. Go community groups. <laughs> <laughs> so that was seven years ago. Um, <clears throat> one way that um, I've been in discipleship in the past year is um, with another woman, or, you know, around the same age as me, so it's not necessarily like the stepwise approach that we commonly always think of with discipleship, but um, we just, you don't have to choose a book. We chose to do a book together on um, parenting, and it was really good for us. We were um, going through the book together, you know, going through the related scriptures together, and we are very different people, and so we're mature in different ways, and we were able to really um, learn a lot from each other, just back and forth about how um, scripture and this stuff applies to us personally, um, you know, with our children. So um, that was a really easy way for me to get started. And um, I have to step back and remind myself again that discipleship doesn't have to be we're, we're, we're meeting this set time every week. You know that there's some flexibility there and it can be Every other week, it can be every third week, it can be every month, it can be every once in a while. Um, 
but that there is a rhythm, an intentionality. It is a commonality throughout your, your weeks and months and years to have those relationships. I guess Jonathan's telling me I need to talk, but I, I don't know why he hears enough of it. Um, I think, too, is um, in the community group, then you are intentional about it. And you are coming together every week, and you're getting to hear what's going on, and you're getting to pray for each other, and you're getting to see answered prayer. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people that I meet with, and, and sometimes it can happen organically. But if you let it happen organically, if you're not intentional about keeping it up, it could fall by the wayside. So I think you have to have some accountability in it. Um, and I think um, just watching how our community group last year went from like six to like, I don't know, 23, 24. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about getting some Velcro to stick people on the walls. Um, but we like that. You know, we, we have a small house on purpose, and, and it's nice to have everybody has to be you have no choice but to be in close community with people in our house but um and we like that and and the fact is is you know i was joking with with, with jason you know three of the people that started out in our community group are now going to be leading community groups um and not that we taught them anything but that is our hope that's a whole model for what our church wants to do is to grow those groups you know i mean we have so many more young single people in our church that we didn't have before which is fabulous that they're starting their own group um you know and then um i don't know why the debonos left i don't know maybe they didn't <laughs> like our food but you know they started their own community group um but it's great, you know, that, 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 that's what we, that was what the whole thing of Doxo starting was about, was creating disciples. And if you have a group that's growing, well, then you need to split it up um, so that it can remain a small group, not be a giant group. But um, I think that was enough for me. I don't, um, have you ever heard the statement, for every nut there's a wrench to fit them? Um, and, and there's something about that because... If, if you're a person that really is struggling in certain areas, any, any area of the walk of your life, that if you're dialed into a group or a community of people, at that point you can zero in on somebody or somebody else can pick up to, to pull you alongside of them. And I would say this, that, that if we have Christians here that are 6 to 12 months into their walk with the Lord, they've acquired so much to bring that guy who just came to Christ down the road with them. And a lot of people think, well, I don't really have a whole lot. But the experience that you've acquired is something they don't have. Um, so you look for somebody that if you're struggling in a place, the community group gives you a setting to meet people and get a little more personal. And from that, you can build particular relationships. Um, the other thing that, and I, and I did this early on, I said, I need help. And you, what's amazing is that within the body of Christ, the goal and the hope is that if somebody makes that statement, they're going to be people that are going to be willing to invest in you um, the way they've invested in us. So if you were struggling somewhere, grab Randy, grab Dale, grab myself, look around for another man who's, who's walking uh, with the Lord or some of the women you've seen here today to... Um, become a part of their life because real at the end of the day i think a lot what i love about docs is that there are a lot of people here it's not an accident that we're here we've been called and we've been put together as a body to care um, and to encourage and to equip 
And as I do that with others, what happens, you're reminding me of all the things that are so important as I'm trying to pass that on to you. So it keeps it fresh in my mind, because I've got to be honest, I've got to keep an eye on myself. That's a full-time job, but by sharing with all the things that have worked in my life, if I'm lax in an area, it becomes hard when I share how important prayer is and I'm not praying. And it makes me go back and redouble my efforts. So it looks like I might be helping you is that you're fortifying me. And that's kind of how it works, that when you step forward to give something away, it comes back threefold. That's awesome. This, two, this is the takeaway I want us to have today. You see in Acts 2 how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking bread, and prayers. Then looks what happens after that. It says, And awe came upon every soul. And then the last verse, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. We devote ourselves to being disciples and making disciples, and then God does his part, and his presence and power is in our midst to, for there to be a sense of his presence among us, and then he empowers our work so that disciples are made, and he's adding to our number day by day, those who are being saved. And those 400,000 people that live in the Myrtle Beach area that we talked about last week, that's how we reach them. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.